Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. This is Sarah from the left. And today I am joined by one of our longtime listeners, Kyla Perlman, to talk about our August book club selection, Tribe by Sebastian Younger. Did I think I pronounced his last name right? I think so. That's what I've been saying. Okay, good. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Kyla. Oh, well, um, I live in Colorado. I have three boys, uh, four-year-old and two two two-year-old twins. And um, I work part-time for the local health department coordinating volunteers. So um, that's what I do. Uh, Three-boy club. Woohoo! I feel like this yeah, book is, think, <laughs> this book is relevant for us, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. All right. So Tribe is, I think it started from a long article. Is that right? I think uh, you wrote an article, article or something. Go ahead. In Vanity Fair. Yeah. So if you guys want to just see what we're talking about without reading the whole book, although I read the book in a day, it's pretty short. It is short. So Tribe, um, in this book, Sebastian Younger studies war veterans, and he sort of takes an anthropological perspective. And um, I think he was a war correspondent, so he talks about his experiences during the war. Um, and this is a quote. It says, 
Gunger's premise is that soldiers all but ignore differences of race, religion, and politics within their platoon and upon return to America find a fractitious society splintered into various competing factions, often hostile to one another. So what here's the funny thing. Here's how I found this book. So I read it because um, I was in Ann Bogle's Modern Mrs. Darcy book club and she'll pick a book and then she'll do like a flight of books. And so she suggested a novel called News of the World about a little girl um, that was taken by an Indian tribe and then tried to return back to her um, biological family and how she didn't want to go back. She wanted to stay with the Native American tribe. And so uh, Ann Bogle suggests this book because it starts out talking about the West and how often um, sort of white settlers were kidnapped or became part or volunteered to go be come part of native American tribes and how even it was crazy. It's like, even when they were like 16 years old, they didn't want to go back. Yes. I'm actually part of modern Mrs. Darcy's book club too. So I read news of the world and that's how I came across this book too. And I thought that was really interesting. Even starting um, way back when we very first had settlers on the East coast, people were, were voluntarily joining up with um, native American tribes. Well, and I thought it was so funny. She talks about like, or Sebastian Younger talks about like, they don't, you don't get the reverse. You don't get Indians leaving Western society to go back to, um, like to go live with white settlers and then refusing to volunteer. Like it was almost always the other way around. Right. So I thought that was really interesting. And so he kind of uses that as a jumping off point. And he also talks about the experience. And I mean, I think his argument is that it is the tribe. Obviously, the book title is called Tribe, but it's like the the experience of living in a tribe that is dedicate that is constantly moving and that is dedicated to a central mission is sort of he uses that as a historical perspective to say, like, what I'm about to talk about with regards to troops is not new. Um, and he also which I, another part I found really interesting is he talks about the experiences of people in war zones and how they also have a very tribal experience and sort of, you know, their survival is the common problem. They're all working towards this common goal and how it really it it sort of meets a need that often doesn't get met in Western society. Right. That in our modern society, we don't. We very rarely face real adversity or it might be individual for the family and not for the community as a whole. And so we don't have something to um, pull together and fight and bond over. So he was talking about um, uh, during World War II specifically when people in London were um, sheltering from the Blitz and how um, as horrible as that experience was, people actually missed some of that after the war was over because they had come together to help each other out so much and had bonded in that way. And then the other thing that he talks about is natural disasters. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And we've talked, that, been talking about that on the podcast with the hurricane, Yeah, which is, you know, obviously very relevant right now with Houston and Florida and the wildfires happening in the, in the Northwest. Um, and it made me think about all of the apocalyptic novels I've ever read that are talk about how society just totally falls apart and it's every man for himself and it's violent and crazy. And I always thought that maybe that's not how I would approach the apocalypse. Yeah. If I in that situation, I would want to um, pull together with my friends and family and neighbors, whoever was left, and and share our resources and, and try to survive as a group. So this helped me. Um, this reassured me that my approach to the apocalypse was probably more accurate, <laughs> <laughs> that we wouldn't totally fall apart, that we would come together um, as a group to to support what we needed to do. Well, and I thought, you know, what I thought about, because he talks about the Blitz, he talks about um, Sarajevo and these um 
experiences that people have when they are facing a common goal is, is really how often that is missing in our common life, um, in our modern world in America and how it does allow for us to, you know, fight within ourselves because there's nothing, there's nothing really at stake if you hate somebody because they're a different political party at you. Well, there's nothing at stake in your survival, immediate survival. Um, so you have to, you can, you, you know, you have the luxury of hating people in your community because you're not, you know, fending for food together. Mm -hmm. And so then he takes that, he takes that sort of historical perspective, the broader, um, sort of other circumstances, um, sort of more in modern history. And then he talks about troops and he talks primarily about how in a platoon, they're like a tribe. They have this common goal. They have, um, even if it's a diverse population within the platoon, because they had their survival is dependent on them working cohesively as a team, that it really does um, appeal to this sort of primal need that people have to fight together and be a part of this tribe, which also I have to say is something that he talks about um, that Jonathan Haidt talks about a lot in The Righteous Mind, which was our book club selection last time which is this we have a we have a need we have a need for a tribe right and so if it's not because we're fighting together for our survival it's going to be because we're fighting this common enemy the other side i think is where some of these people are getting at and what i thought his his perspective was so interesting was specifically in regards to the conversation of ptsd which is you know his argument is ptsd happens when you come back when a platoon or a, a military person comes back from a, a experience that is so far removed from his everyday world he returns to. And, you know, I kind of always thought, well, it's just it's just about the experience over there. And I think his argument was really interesting. It's like, no, it's not really about exactly what happens over there. It's about how much basically we put the entire burden of dealing with what happened over there on the person once they return because no one knows what they've gone through. Right. I, it, he, he pulls out some statistics about <clears throat> that, um, you know, lots of, uh, military personnel have short-term PTSD and which is totally normal because they've been in traumatic situations and then they recover just fine. But it's the long-term chronic PTSD that, um, you know, it's often not related to combat, but it's often the, the troops who were not in combat or, mm. or at, were in the least, the less dangerous situations, um, that have actually more PTSD and it has more to do with when they come back. Like you were saying that there's not this, he talks about shared public meaning and mm. how, um, we don't have that because we are so far removed from, the military um, and and war. It's not something that's affecting most of us most of the time. I thought this was a great quote. He says, today's veterans come home to find that although they're willing to die for their country, they're not sure how to live for it. And I think mm -hmm. that's so true. And, you know, what's really interesting is right around the time I read this book, I read The Undoing Project, which is about the team of psychologists that founded behavioral economics. And they mm -hmm. were Israeli and they fought a lot in Israeli battles. And they talked about how easily they passed back and forth and how they were sort of stumped by like how easily they could like go fight in this battle and then come home to their families. And it didn't disrupt anything that much. And I thought... Well, yeah, that makes sense since I just read Tribe because in that, particularly in that era, in the beginning of Israel, 
everyone was fighting. Everyone was at war. There was that shared common purpose. It's not like they had to come home to wives and children that had just been living normal lives. Like they really understood what was at stake and what was going on. And so it was really interesting to read that book sort of closely behind this one. I, that's a great, that uh, someone recommended that book to me. So it's on my, my list. It's um, really and, good. And younger does talk about the Israeli military in tribe oh, and how he does. I forgot the about same that. issues, the same issues that we see with American military doesn't show up in Israel um, because of some of those things you just talked about. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and June has you covered. We've talked about Olive and June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are going to last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love, though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. 
I think it hits on so many things we talk about on pain suit of politics, which is the, like you said, the lacking of sort of common purpose, the emphasis on, or the burden on the individual to solve all their problems. Um, and you know, it, the, I think he does, he talks a lot about to sort of, well, now I'm getting my books mixed up. I'm not sure if this was tribe or the, uh, the righteous mind where they talk about like the need for particularly young boys and men to, f- to have sort of a coming of age situation in which that, they prove themselves yeah that was touched on in this and i actually raising three boys think about that a little yeah, bit because too. it's such a foreign concept to me um is what how do we allow boys to go through these coming of age times in a, in a positive way and um, one thing he mentioned was that male conflict and male closeness is basically two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. um which you know is interesting to, to think about, um, you know, of course my boys are always wrestling right now, (laughs) but that's, they're just like little bear cubs. So, um, that's part of what they need. But then also when do we as a society, um, rise above our base instincts, right? It's so hard. And, and, you know, raise men and boys who don't need to fight all the time or, you know, can deal with their aggression in you know, positive ways. Well, it's just so hard because, you know, where do we, where do we, uh, separate primal, instinctual, psychological needs of human beings and even particularly men and from the sort of ridiculous misogynistic messages that we also send men and how do we find sort of a healthy expression of the former without making the latter even worse than it already is. Right. And that's, a question I do not have the answer to. <laughs> How about yeah. you? Do you have the answer? <laughs> I don't have an answer, but I did talk to my husband about this. And um, he was very involved in sports um, teams his whole life and still is. And he feels like that was his outlet for um, you know his need to feel like a warrior and go through the warrior mm. phase. But it was he was a sports warrior. Right. So, we see that, you know, in our um, modern sports culture. Well, and I think with regards specifically to beyond men and boys and back to the sort of the soldier conversation, I mean, Mm. I don't think I think one of the answers here is not hard to figure out, which is prolonged, detached foreign wars that we've had going on since September 11th. You're talking about young men who were barely born could be going over to a place like that weren't even born during 9-11 you know, we can't, I don't think the answer is to get society more invested in these conflicts. I think for, is for us to get our military out of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but how you feel about that? Uh, I think that would be a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually that was one thing that I was trying to figure out what his, um, I mean, there's, there's all these themes that we've been talking about, but what is the call to action from this book? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not entirely sure what it is besides, um, you know, we need to, be more connected to our communities and to, um, in this case, particularly the military. Um, but I have, you know, I have zero connection to the military. And so it, it's really hard for me to understand what that, you know, experience is like. Um, but one of the things he did mention was, um, as far as the PTSD being more severe or more likely to come up just based on coming back home is that we don't provide soldiers with the kind of support systems that they need, you know, beyond mental health services, but things like jobs and 
that they can have with dignity. And, you know, we, we still have racism and classism and other, you know, if people can't find a job yeah. and they're living in poverty, then that's going to exacerbate whatever issues, mental health issues they've got going on. And that our tokenism of thanking the troops at halftime mm. um, is, is more, more harmful than, and we need our government, our society to provide these supportive services beyond mental health. I mean, mental health is important, but you know, real dignity and jobs and respect. I feel like we do. I hate the way we talk about the sort of the dismissiveness in which we um, talk about soldiers. I feel like we do the same thing to cancer survivors. Like it's just so um, sort of obviously kind of shallowly ceremonial and not for the person there because it's just it to me it's it's so flippant to think you're going to sum up someone's sacrifice in the military or surviving cancer in like a couple sentences at the beginning of something like you know i just i would be so sort of over that if i was a soldier like i just feel like it's you know if you're not going to do something real or that is impact it's like you know what it reminds me of i remember reading one time that soldiers get sent um I thought it, I think it was like cookies or it was like a it was like either cookies or stuffed animal. And they were like, we don't want any freaking cookies. Why don't you ask us what we want? <laughs> we want booze and right. like DVDs. Like we don't want cookies, you know, like it, but it's just, it's like the vision. It's the caricature of what people want soldiers to be without actually asking soldiers. Yeah. Hmm. So what else should we talk about? Um, well, there were a few things that um, I feel like in some ways he really idealized tribalism mm. and didn't talk about the downsides of it, um, which, you know, when I think of tribes or tribalism, I think of um, sort of an exclusionary group that right. is not open to outsiders or maybe has fear of outsiders and is really... Um, you know, protective of their own in a, in a positive way, but also maybe not open to new ideas or new people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also thinking about, again, sort of the call to action in this book, like how do we take this? I mean, it's, it's easy to, to have this concept of tribalism among groups of 50 people, but how do we expand that to 300 million people in America? Like I, do we have an American tribe and uh, how do we, how can we possibly make that work so that we have a common goal, you know, without having <laughs> actual um, war on our soil that would bring us together. Um, so I can see taking these concepts to my own local community. Yeah. And, and really engaging in my local community. Um, but I find it hard to um, mentally expand it to, you know, an entire country. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, 
And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Well, and I think it's just learning, doing it in our own communities and then expanding that learning from each other, what works there and what could we try here? You know, one thing he talks about a lot, I think sort of the aspect of tribalism that really appeals to me. And I think if we could focus on this part, um, as opposed to the, the tribe is always right kind of aspect that can definitely go wrong really easily is like, you're just in these scenarios, whether it's an Amer- native American tribe or a war or a natural disaster or a, a military situation, you're not alone. You know, I think we spend way too much time alone and we're sort of, you know, there it, it's almost held up in our society as sort of, what you're striving for, you know, you want peace and you want quiet and you want to get away. And, but kind of our brains don't do well in that and that we would do better to emphasize that being a part of a community 
that you're not, you know, I see this a lot. I think people in the sort of modern world community, we want community without risk. We want community without having to be around people who might annoy us sometimes or who we might disagree with or who are going to invade our space or not always do what we want. Well, yeah, because that's what being in a community is about. You're yeah. not always going to like it. And they're going to so you're going to if you're going to live in a small town like I do, somebody's going to say something you don't like or not the like the way you parent or you're not going to like the way you're they parent. But that's OK. You know, like that's that's positive And to think through these things and to be pushed um, in important ways outside our boundaries, because if we're just trying to create this, this perfect closed environment in which we're never challenged and we're never, um, we don't suffer hard things, then I think that's why we're all going slowly crazy. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, in that you can't always pick your tribe and, and make sure that everyone in your tribe is who, you know, your best friend, Yeah, um, which is what we try to do. But yep. then that, yeah, uh, how, it, how it works in, in the real world. Right. And I mean, I think you see that expression writ large in our political environment, which is you're not a part of my tribe, but we are an American tribe. At least we're attempting to be I like this quote. He said, to make matters worse, politicians occasionally accuse rivals of deliberately trying to harm their own country, a charge so destructive to group unity that most past societies would probably have just punished it as a form of treason. I thought that I thought that was really good because I think so often we say they're trying to tear apart America or they're America. Well, we are all America. America is not some abstract idea. I mean, it is in theory, but in practice, America is us. It's all of us. And so when you say they hate America, well, that's like hating themselves. How's that possible? They have a different idea of what they want America to be, but we are all America. And so that's the tribe. So you don't get to pick parts of the tribe you don't like and say, well, they're the enemy because it's the enemies amongst us in that case. Yeah. I thought that I highlighted that quote too. And then he goes on to just talk about, in addition to politicians who do that, we just as any group that we are um, critical about. So it says people speak with incredible contempt um, depending on the views about the rich, the poor, the educated, the foreign born, the president, or the entire U S government at the level of contempt that is usually reserved for enemies in wartime except that now it's applied to our fellow citizens. Oh, so true. We've got to stop that. We definitely have yeah. to stop that. That's the call to action, I think. You know, that's the yeah. thing I think about we've been talking about a lot. It's just we have to stop talking about each other like we're the enemy. Yeah. That's what um, I said. The, in my city commission right let, meeting the other day, we we're talking about Confederate monuments, and I said something similar, and I noticed how much the tenor of the conversation, when it went out of this big abstract ideas about history in America, and it came down to, well, how are we going to handle this as a community, like the whole tenor of the conversation changed. Yeah. Which is good and positive And we need more of that. I really liked the book. Did you like it overall? I did like it. Yeah. Um, it had a lot of interesting ideas and stories that I hadn't thought of and then pulled together some, I mean, again, the military and PTSD is not something that I'm familiar with really at all. So that was interesting. And, and I, I like the idea of being um, more integrated in my community. And um, so that's something that I'm you know, going to be trying to do. Well, and it's just so crazy how often, and I think it's why it keeps coming up on the pod is because we are talking like so many books and people and thinkers I really love are coming back to this theme over and over again. Like we have to stop thinking about ourselves as an island. We're individual. We're not individuals. Individualism is harmful. Like, I mean, that's what a tool one day says and being mortal. He talks about 
the community caring for the elderly at end of life and how that changes everything. And that's what he talks about in the righteous mind. And that's what she talks about um, wanting more of in strangers in their own land. It's like how, what a strong sense of community some people in Louisiana had and how that changed, changed the way they, um, their perspective on so many political issues. And I just think, you know, we sort of, we sort of discard this idea at our peril. Yeah. I agree. I was just looking at one, one other quote that I think, um, was sort of the positive finish was if you, if you want to make a society work, then you don't keep underscoring the places where you're different. You Mm. underscore your shared humanity. Oh, it's so good. That's a perfect place to end. Perfect (laughs) place to end. All right. Well, so our book club is on Goodreads. If you guys want to join along, I think we're going to start up a Facebook group too. So for people on Facebook, it's easier to, um, sort of keep up on the latest happenings um, for September. They are reading exit West, which is a novel. So, it's good. so good. It's so good. And then um, we're going to read uh, the new Jim Crow, I think for October. So that one's um, awesome. yeah, check it out. Thanks for joining us for another special book club edition of pantsuit politics. And until the next episode, keep it nuanced y'all. <laughs>